This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claygood and Cooper Linton, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with you. Thank you so much for joining us on this Saturday evening. And we've got the regular crew here with us. We've got Nicole Cleggett with Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you this evening? I'm doing just fine. It's been a wild and crazy week, but I'm glad to be here. Now, your world is uh, it's, it's always calm and laid back. You're never you know scrambling or anything like that, Well, you like know, that, right? yeah, it's been a week. We've had a conference and all kinds of exciting things, and, and now we're looking at another conference next week, so yep. it's just moving along. But the good news is there's resources for people to go to, so that's positive. Mm-hmm. That is, and that voice you heard is Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care. And Cooper, I just want to check in on you are you doing okay this week? Jason, I, I deeply appreciate your concern. And, and honestly, I'd ask Nicole first, too, so it doesn't hurt my feelings. Yeah, I'm doing great. He thanks. wishes he was on a boat right now, I think. Oh, sure. I do wish I was on a boat right now. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely, I do. Uh, that's generally I mean, the case come on. Who, who done? It's, a, it's been a beautiful week. We all want to go do something fun. You want to drown some worms. We're going to drown some worms, but we're going to actually drown some <laughs> topics this this morning, uh, this evening. Not drown. Okay. We're going to bring to light. All that's right, right. Fair enough. We will. <laughs> that's right. We we're, But we're going to cast a wide net with these, <laughs> with these We topics. are. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Keep the puns going. That's right. Well, we talk so much about community-based care on this program, but we're, we're going to take a, a sort of a different track this evening. Well, not everybody thinks of community-based care as including congregate living or residential care settings. Um, in fact, some people really have a, a, a bit of, a, they're off-put by the idea of adult care homes, uh, more commonly known in the area as assisted living facilities, um, family care homes, which fewer people know about, and then there's this fear around the nursing homes. And so we'll, we'll deal primarily with adult care homes, but I think it's important to realize that these settings are really a major part of the care that people get as they age. And the older they get, the more likely they're to, to be in one. Yeah, and you know, according to the U.S. Bureau of Census, about 5% of people over the age of 65 are in a nursing home or a congregate care, assisted living, adult care home. But it's also important to know that that doesn't mean they're going to be there for 6, 8, 12 you know, 10 years. People go into these places and sometimes they don't stay and then other times that they do. But as you get older, the likelihood of you spending more time in one of these types of long-term care communities rises at 50% over the, uh, 50% of people over the age of 95 actually live in a nursing home currently. So that's, that's a pretty high number. And, you know, as we start aging out more and more baby boomers, one of the, one of the, the true facts is that we don't really have enough places to house all the people that are going to need to be in them and so it's just it's it's, well, it's actually scary there's a lack of resources mm-hmm. all the way around so there are there, there's not enough places or money there's not enough money mm-hmm. and we're significantly facing a workforce shortage mm-hmm. uh, with, nobody wants to do the work well it's hard work mm-hmm. and it's not well compensated mm-hmm. uh, and so many of the people who are doing the work are in it for a passion they they really they're not going to make a great living doing some of the work. You know, my wisdom highlights have showed me that. Um, does that mean gray hair? It does mean gray hair. I was just trying to catch the wisdom highlights. <laughs> you know, piece. I, I have to start taking credit for some of this, right? Because I've been doing this now 21 years. 
um, 21 years ago, there were a lot fewer options for community-based care. And as, as I've gone through my career so far, things have really changed. And, you know, when I first started my career, there were basically assisted living facilities, we call them, and nursing homes. And now there's a lot more options out there. And, well, and, and the services provided in them has greatly changed, too. Right. They're, they used to be more homogenous. Mm-hmm. You know, if you'd seen one, you'd seen one. And or you'd seen them all. And now there, there's great differences between them, great differences in price ranges. Uh, many of them specialize in managing certain types of illness or uh, having a focus on handling patients with certain challenges or disabilities. Uh, and then you have the family care homes, which are very unique. Mm-hmm. They're smaller. They're more intimate environment. Um, you know, they can't be any larger than six residents. That's the largest uh, family care home can have in it. So it is more like a person's residential home and less like a larger facility or larger congregate living center. So you're saying we have a bushel of apples, but some are galas, some are Macintosh, some are Granny Smith. There's a lot of different type of apples in there the bushels. Are. There are. Uh, and with that comes some complexities as people try and make decisions. Um, and there's frankly a fear that uh, they're going to make the wrong choice, that they are not picking the right place. Are they going to be cared for well? And they're not really sure how to make some of those decisions in the first place. You know, when people call transitions guiding lights, they automatically make the assumption mom needs to go in a nursing home. And they don't understand that there's a continuum of care even on the residential side. There's still, and then there's all these ideas and views. And I remember when I was caring for my grandparents, um, I remember my grandmother, you know, she would say, I'm not going in one of those places. That's where my mother was. And they'll beat you with a rubber hose. And it was just, there was this fear of this, you know, very sterile building with cement blocks. And that's where you go. They, they called them. Oh, what was the name for it? When people were old folks homes, well, old folks homes and, and um, sanitariums. And I mean, they just thought, you know, and so things have really, really changed. And, and, and the level of care has changed. You know, what I saw 20 years ago in a nursing home, as far as the level of care, is now similar to what you could see in some assisted living communities. Right. And if you're in a nursing home now, that used to be kind of what you saw in a hospital. It's a step-down unit. <laughs> I mean, it really is in many it ways is. like a step-down unit for a med surge floor on a hospital. It, but I think there are some misconceptions. I, and I'll speak from personal experience on this. My, my mother uh, was in a nursing facility for rehab at one point. And then later was in an assisted living with varying levels of care because her needs were moving Mm -hmm. uh, both up and down. Mm -hmm. And she got rehab care there as well. And then later ended up moving into a nursing facility. And it wasn't at all sterile. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't at all the stereotypes. In fact, it was very homelike. And the Mm -hmm. people were committed and connected to her. And in fact, I still stay in touch with some of the people who are involved with her care because over that period of time, you build a rapport with these folks. You do. They're taking care of people in their most intimate moments, for sure. And they're doing things we can't always do for ourselves. We Many of us are working and we're doing the best we can. We can't stop our lives entirely. I think one of the common misconceptions about people who work in this field, and and gosh, you know, you and I can both speak to this. People think everyone's in it for the money, and 
Well, if it, most of the people, if they're doing this work for the money, they've made a terrible career choice. Have you seen what I'm driving? Yeah. <laughs> Likewise. Um, there's nothing wrong with 275,000 miles. I think it's just, it's just the break-in period. Exactly. The people that are going into this work, particularly doing the hands-on care and, and, and our nurse aides, uh, CNAs or NA1s or whatever they're, that, well, you're commonly known as, these are folks that are doing the, the bulk of the heavy lifting, literally, mm-hmm. and the personal care. And frankly, they are very meagerly paid. They are, and they have a tremendous amount of responsibility. You know, we train people at Transition Scouting Light to become certified nursing assistants. And, you know, folks, after they go through the training and decide the type of place they want to work at, some, to their surprise, you know, they notice that, you know, sometimes they have to care for 10 and 15 people and get 10 and 15 people up in the morning and fed and bathed and showered and then somehow do it in a meaningful way. And it gets to be really hard. Well, it's hard to have sensitive interpersonal productivity at that mm-hmm. rate. How do you be efficient? But because everybody does need to get up, and mm-hmm. everybody does need to be clean, and everybody does need breakfast, but they also need to be welcomed and treated with respect and with dignity and recognized for their uniqueness. And we're asking an incredible amount of these aides, and we're also asking a lot of the nurses, RNs, and LPNs that are in these facilities that are managing 25, 30 patients. So I think a big question is, you know, when you get to the point as a family caregiver and you just can't do it at home anymore, and there are certain chronic conditions that are extraordinarily difficult to manage in the home. You know, I would love to talk a little bit more when we bring our guest on about, you know, what does a very good experience look like when you're looking at a congregate living situation? Because it's not going to be the same as it is in your own personal home. It is going to be different, and, and thankfully, we have somebody here in a moment that can help us with that. Yeah, and we're going to take a quick break here so we can get our guest here in the studio, and we'll do that in just a bit. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, and you can find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights and Cooper Linton from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and Cooper Linton. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're having an interesting discussion tonight about uh, community-based care. And uh, we've we sort of broached the subject a little bit of adult care homes and family care homes. And Cooper, you've brought in an expert here to kind of help us dive into this world a little bit further. Well, we are very privileged to have Kent Thompson with us. He is a volunteer with the Community Advisory Committee uh, that really focuses on adult care homes and family care homes. But as opposed to me telling you what he does, I thought we'd just ask him. Uh, so welcome to the show, and we appreciate you coming on and would like to really understand, what are you doing? Okay, well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm a volunteer, and um, I'm on a committee that's appointed by the county commissioners, and we go visit uh, adult care homes and family care homes uh, in Wake County. Now, you're doing this on your own time? On my own time, yes. That's a passion. It's, I'm a volunteer. And um, it really, you know, I've, do, I've done it probably over 15 years now. And when you talk about the changes that have come about, you know, I really have seen the quality of, of um, presentation, the quality of care at the family care homes and the adult care homes really increase over mm-hmm. the period of time. 
Um, a lot of the mom and pop groups have kind of gotten out of it, and a lot more of the um, more of what I would call a corporate presence has come in, and they're able because of their scale. I think they're able to provide a better opportunity. You know, right before the break, we were talking a little bit about. You know, there becomes a breaking point, no pun intended. I guess we're doing puns today. Uh, for the family caregiver, um, where, you know, it just gets to be too much. And, you know, despite all the promises made to a loved one, I'll never put you in a place. At some point, the person has to really start looking out for themselves and really what's best for their loved one. And they may have to make a decision to place their loved one. Um, one of the biggest difficulties that I think families have is the expectation that living in a congregate living setting is going to be pretty much the same as living in a, in a home, your own personal home. And I think it is going to be different. And could you talk to us a little bit about, you know, ways that it is going to be different, but what you should expect for a good experience if you, if you, if you place your loved one? Well, sure. And, you know, I think the difference, um, you have maybe more of a home-like setting in the family care homes, which are six residents mm -hmm. or less. And depending on um, the, the organization that's providing the home, um, you know, I, I've seen places where, you know, I walk in, uh, everything that we do, we, we are completely unannounced. So we walk in, um, first thing we do is talk to the executive director, make sure they know we're here and what our purpose is. But then we just start visiting with the, the residents and talking to them about how they like living there and things like that. And um, the home-like atmosphere comes from, I think, the executive director. So it's the setting that the director puts in. The tone. The tone, mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, there, I think we're very fortunate in Wake County in that we have quite a few. We have over 120 different uh, family care and adult care homes, and we're seeing a lot of merging together. Mm -hmm. um, so like I said, the mom and pops have, have kind of gotten out of the business, which gives us a little bit more um, uniformity in the presentation of, of what's coming to the resident. But the key to it is that they do feel like that somebody's listening to them. They feel like they've got dignity. Uh, they they have rights that are set up by North Carolina law, and that the they're they're getting the kind of attention that they actually might not even get at home because sometimes you know. I mean, my mom was living alone for about ten years, mm -hmm. and I called her up one day. I said, "Mom, what you doing?" It was like three o'clock in the afternoon. She said, "Well, I'm sitting here." Uh, in bed with the dog watching TV, and I said, "Well, Mom, <laughs> we're going to have to we're going to have to change that. Uh, we need you to be doing a little bit more than that." And so, really, just opened up her life, uh, brought her into a community, and uh, really a lot more enrichment. One of the things that we do when we go visit is to look at activities. We want to we want a, a calendar on the wall that shows what the activities are going to be for the residents. Um, are they doing things in the morning? Are they doing things in the afternoon? Are they taking trips? you know, to stores, wherever. You're really touching on something I think is counterintuitive for some folks. You know, the, the, if you have this stereotype that these places are just terrible and awful, then you think that when you work with placement to move a loved one into an environment like this, that many folks feel like, well, I'm, I'm reducing the care they're getting. But what you're describing is really just the opposite. I think so. The, the socialization goes up, the activity levels go up, uh, the engagement level goes up, and frankly, the oversight of their day-to-day -day care may go up. That's very counter to many of the stereotypes that we face. Well, one of the things that we see is that there's a little bit of a mixed population. Um, so the people that come in that are 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 better functioning, you know, the 
the necessity that somebody might get in a long-term care insurance policy is not being able to perform two of the six activities of daily living. So uh, looking at that as your first criteria, then um, the, the directors and the activities people are kind of looking to see, you know, what level is this group at? And they, they start to say, well, we can do more of these activities with these people because they understand what's going on. Uh, for some people, it might be just, um, you know, going over what day is it, um, where are we, what's going on, what's for lunch. Um, so you have to meet them where they are. And exactly. some of these people are far right. more cognitively engaged. And part of that can just be the, the disease process they have. And, and they actually, many of them do get better and begin to perform at a higher level. And I've, I've actually, you know, personally witnessed that where somebody went in at a much lower level of functionality. And then through rehab and guidance and some stimulation and a frankly excellent medical care, they began to regain things that they had lost and their world began to open up. Uh, and it's a great thing. Well, the activities are part of it. And I think, you know, you want stimulating activities, as you mentioned. Um, the food is another part of it. So somebody who, even a husband and wife who might be 80, 85 years old that are staying at home, uh, I can remember going to visit somebody in, in my profession to, to talk with them, and there were light bulbs that were out, and they asked me if I could change the light bulb for them. Uh, they wanted to know if I wanted to have lunch. I said, well, sure, that'd be fine. We had pimento cheese sandwiches. Um, I'm totally in on that, by the way. That's just... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so things that you think are going well because mom and dad want to stay home, you know, you really find out they might be a little bit better if they were actually to go into a community get more socialization, get uh, better uh, food, medical care, activities. So one of the things that uh, I frequently talk to families about when I'm trying to help guide them into placement is deal with issues as they come up and don't let them mount and mount and mount until you're at a boiling point and you just explode. And, uh, you know, I, I really believe that most long-term care communities want to know when there's something they can do differently or better, but it's really all in the approach that you take as the family member, um, but also to provide them with some positive messages as well. You know, we're all used to constantly getting that criticism when we're in a long-term care community. You didn't do this, you didn't do that, mom's shirt's not buttoned right, this, that, and the other thing, but also kind of give them props where props are due. When you're talking with residents and family members and there's a concern that comes up, what kind of guidance do you typically give them to help get that concern remedied? Well, um, part of it is deciding where is the information coming from. Is this something that happened two or three years ago? Right, a general stuck, statement versus, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That stuck in their mind. And when I ask them, how do you like living here? They go like, oh, well, there was this time when, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, okay, fine. Um, but oftentimes... Um, I mean, one of the things we look at is the, the activity schedule. So one of the things that often happens is they have what they call a residence council. Mm -hmm. So the residence council is usually led by the activities person, and it's just an opportunity for people to, to vent about um, the food. food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the food. I've been to a few of those, yeah. can you tell? <laughs> activities, you know, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did mm -hmm. that. Um, but we also, we also have um, – individual meetings with people. So we might knock on their door and ask if we can come into their room and sit down. And, you know, usually when that happens, I get a, we get a big smile. Uh, they're happy to see us, that they want to share with us about things that are going on. And so we can get that information 
we don't um, identify the person when we talk to the executive director. I say, I mean, if there is an issue, Mm -hmm. we will talk to the executive director. We do an exit interview and we'll say, oh, by the way, we did talk with somebody who uh, said that they didn't think they were getting their medicine right. So we're not really sure if that's exactly the right thing, but um, I just want to bring it to your attention. Mm -hmm. If we really see an issue, then we can go back to our uh, ombudsman, our Triangle J ombudsman, Amy Kepler, and Amy actually has the ability to go in and investigate something. So we're eyes, ears, and oftentimes I say the nose, mm-hmm. but we don't have any kind of um, you know, regulatory opportunity. Our guest this evening is Kent Thompson, and he's a financial advisor with Capital Financial Solutions. But we're talking a little bit more about his role as a volunteer with the Adult Care Home Community Advisory Committee. And we're going to continue our conversation right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claygate from Transitions Guiding Lights and Cooper Linton from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. And I'm Jason Kong, along with Cooper Linton and Nicole Cleggett. Our guest this evening is Kent Thompson. He's a financial advisor with Capital Financial Solutions. But we're talking a little bit more about his role as a volunteer with the uh, Adult Care Home Community Advisory Committee. And, Cooper, we've talked a lot about uh, adult care homes and you know i think people get this image in their mind or some conceptions come up and they may be misconceptions they may not be uh, the the picture that comes to their mind may not be as accurate as they think well they they know what they know and many times that's based on experiences they had years ago uh, and the world of congregate living be it adult day care i mean excuse me adult care homes or family care homes or even nursing homes, has changed dramatically uh, in the last 20 years, and in particular in the last 10. And so what people have experienced in the past may not be indicative of what's actually out there now. And, and Ken, you were talking about how you went into facilities uh, really unannounced and just began to get impressions of the facility. What are some recommendations you'd have for families as they look at placement? If they kind of realize, hey, I, I need to do this, I'm kind of scared of the idea, where do I start? Well, I, again, like I said, eyes, ears, and nose. So, I mean, you, you just go in and you're kind of getting a general impression of what the facility um, environment is like. So, is it clean? Is it, are, are, is it odor-free? Um, are the uh, residents interacting with the staff? Uh, are, are people getting the help that they need? Uh, what did they look like? I mean, I've been in places where all the residents were lined up in the halls and they were just like taking naps. And, you know, I was going like, this is really not that great. Uh, as opposed to going to other places where um, they might have somebody in playing guitar. They might be playing bingo. Bingo is very popular <laughs> for elderly people. Uh, especially if they can win a quarter or two. Mm. Um, But um, activities uh, and looking at the calendar, looking on the wall to see what's there. So the calendar says we're supposed to be having devotion at 9 o'clock. Okay, are you having devotion at 9 o'clock? 
Uh, <laughs> we're supposed to be taking a road trip, going to uh, you know a department store or something uh, at eleven. Well, did the bus come and pick everybody up and, and take them to the to the place? Um, there's supposed to be you, know, you like to see um, remembrances of different holidays, so Memorial Day, Father's Day, Mother's Day. You know what's coming up? What is it on the wall that is attractive and interesting and uh, makes you think that uh, you know the people are getting stimulated and, and that they're they're getting some sort of encouragement to participate in life as it is now. So one of the things that I often talk to family caregivers about, you know, we live very differently than our parents lived, right? I mean, you know, we've got a lot of people have the granite countertops and, you know, you got all the bells and whistles in the apartments and whatnot. And I frequently talk to the families and say, okay, that might be a comfortable environment for you to live in. You're looking at it with your eyes, but are you looking at it with how mom would like to live? Is this how mom would be comfortable? And it's less, I think, to do with it, because there are some really good long-term care communities that maybe aren't upgraded the best, but their quality of care is superb. And you know, some of the more beautiful ones may not have as great of quality of care. So some of the things I often ask the families to talk to the administrators about is staff turnover rate. Sure. I yeah. mean, gosh, it's it's upwards 70, 80% of your direct caregivers, and these are the people that are going to be providing the hands-on care to your loved ones. So if you're going to have a new caregiver every three days, what's the continuity of care going to be like for your loved one? Probably not so good. Well, and even the the executive director position can That's change huge. quite a bit. Yep. So, yep. Um, you know, as we go visit, we, we're looking around, we're going like, um, you seem to be new to me. Um <laughs> Well, yeah. I, how long have you been here? Well, I've been here 14 days. Right. Okay. Well, how's it going? Well, you know, we are really going to jump in and make this place bigger, better, whatever. <laughs> but um, it's a challenge for sure. Well, and I think it's important to recognize that they're not all funded the same way. So we have a lot of these adult care facilities that are funded through state dollars, uh, through the long-term Medicaid benefits. Uh, you have some of them that are private pay. You have some that are combinations. Uh, and even some of them are licensed as part of a continuum of care under continuous care retirement com- communities or CCRCs. So the, there are great variances in the models in which the care is delivered, the bills are paid, the staff are hired. I mean, it's so there's some great questions you can ask starting with that executive director and understanding how is the care here funded? Well, that's very true, and that's part of the questionings that we often go through is um, we ask two questions. One is, what is the census? And the census for some places is, well, we're licensed for 60 beds and we only have 50 um, Mm. uh, in the beds. Or if we get a a remark like, well, we only have 35, we've got 60 (laughs) beds, we only have 35, it's kind of like, well, what do you think's going on? You know, what's, what's the reason why you don't have that full house sort of thing? Um, the other side of the coin is that some of the facilities have an additional part to them called memory care. Right. And so uh, you could say, well, I've got 60 beds, but 20 of them are memory care beds, and um, the other are assisted living beds. And so, well, what, how, many, how many are in the memory care? Well, we've, we're a full house in the memory care, but we have you know, opportunity for five more in the assisted living. But um, a lot of that depends on funding as well. So the private pay... Uh, and even the special assistants uh, will get a higher degree, higher ratio for memory care than for um, just the assisted living. 
I think another important thing for folks to do is try to talk to other family caregivers that are present. Um, and not necessarily just the list that you're given by the facility of the people who've had the very best experience, but talk to other people who are kind of just around that day and just, you know, when you're on the tour or just popping by and just say, hey, how are things going? And right. and you, I think you do get a pretty good sense. And usually people are pretty willing to share. Well, that's, that's one of our pet peeves mm-hmm. in that when we go into facilities, we're constantly looking that the uh, staff have name tags on that mm-hmm. identify them as working there, mm-hmm. as opposed to a family member uh, that we might like to talk to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's harder to get the residents to relate. Right. But if we can find a family member, it's how long have you been here? Uh, how's the food? How, right. you know, what's going on? Are you here because you feel like you've got to be here? Or are you concerned? Or, you know, what what's your... You know, what's your passion? You know, is it just making sure that mom's doing okay? Just spending time with mom. Yeah, just yeah. spending time with mom, or are you kind of nervous about something that might be not to your liking? So I guess leading leading from that, uh, there has been a lot of reports of um, abuse uh, in long term care communities, and it's, there's been some that hit, hit the media recently. Um, and I think a lot of people think that is very, very prevalent in long-term care communities. And some of the research that I've done, it's actually more prevalent in the home by a very burned-out family caregiver than it is in a long-term care community. Is that generally, you know, do you, do you come across a lot of abuse or suspected abuse? Or do you think that's a, sort of a misconception? We're always on the uh, lookout for bruises mm-hmm. and uh, you know, arms, faces, um, things like that. We'll, you should we'll see make, my arms. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll make a note of it yeah, and say, yeah. by the way, we noticed so-and-so, you know, again, try not to identify anybody, but just to simply say, you know, we noticed several people uh, have, have some bruises. Can, you know, can you tell me what's going on? Uh, well, you know, we've had falls. I mean, mm-hmm. falls are one of the biggest right. problems that, that elderly people have. And they do bruise easier. Yeah. Um, so... Even some of the best places that we visited have had incidents, mm-hmm. and um, you know I can think of a couple where you know everything was great, everything was was just working along fine, and then all of a sudden somebody snuck in somewhere or, or somebody went into somebody's room and something happened that you know that really you just could not expect that anybody would be able to prevent that. It just happens. So as tragic as it may be, and it is tragic, it's usually fairly rare. I think it is fairly rare. Yeah, we don't really hear much about it ex- unless it's on the news. Right. And I mean, I go, we don't run news yeah. stories to say in 120 facilities in Wake County, everything went well today. Right. And so it's only when something goes wrong that sure. we get those. And, um, and of course, there's concerns at times it could be underreported, but the reality is wa- being watchful and being an engaged family member is part of reducing that likelihood. Well, you certainly want to look and see if there's trends. Uh, and and you, again, you can go to um, wakegov.com. Look up the adult care homes, and there all of the reports that we offer are listed there. Uh, any kind of compliance or regulatory reports are listed in there, so you can kind of go in and see. Oh, well, we've had they had four or five things that were investigated. You know, maybe this is a trend. Maybe this is not where we want to be. Um, so that would be helpful for you. And if you want to find more information about that, you can Google Wake County Adult Care Homes. And you can also, if you go to wake.gov, you can look under the Human Services tag to find more information there. Kent Thompson, he's a financial advisor with Capital Financial Solutions and also a volunteer with the Adult Care Home Community Advisory Committee. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you. 
We will be back in just a bit. Got to take a quick break for Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF with your co-hosts Nicole Claykett and Cooper Linton. Here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong with uh, the lovely Cooper Linton and the uh, the stylish <laughs> Nicole Cleggett. You know, uh, Cooper always complains so that, that you get the lovely I moniker. Know. So I'm, I'm spreading the wealth here. Okay. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. I feel lovelier just having you said that. Well, you, you should. I'll you take should. the you angelic. Oh, the angelic. I think that's. I just got trumped. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the drawing board for Cooper. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, you know, before we we move on here, let's uh, let's tie a bow here on the on the subject that we were talking about earlier, and that's uh, about this uh, world of adult care homes, because you know there, we've we sort of went and debunked a lot of the pop, popular myths mm-hmm. and some of the things that you need to be looking for when you have a loved one entering into one of these communities. So, um, you know. What's, what's a good way to wrap this up? Well, I, I'd like to just say, I think it's pretty amazing that we have volunteers like that in the community. I don't think people realize because not every resident living in a long-term care community has a true advocate. Some people, you know, if they're 95 and up, they may not have any loved ones still alive. And so I think it's pretty nice um, to actually think that the government thought of something to put in place that actually makes a difference and, and really is trying to look out for those that are very frail in our community. And, you know, Kent, he's been doing that for over 15 years. So that is an amazing amount of um, just time and passion that he's given to this work. Well, and the fact that he's part of a committee that mm-hmm. does this, uh, I think it's, it's, it's truly passion fueled for those folks and they become advocates for people who probably don't have advocates. And they're looking for more. And they we are did, looking we did, for We didn't more. get to mention that, but I think he said there was probably about eight more positions available in Wake County alone for folks. If, you know, if you've ever had a loved one who perhaps um, has been in a long-term care community and, you know, you've kind of moved past that time and are looking for something to do from a volunteer perspective, that's a great way to make a difference. Yeah, that's huge. Well, and they need the help. So if you want to uh, Google uh, the Community Advisory Committee for Wake County, I'm sure you can find that information online and look for ways that you can give back if that's something you're interested in. I think there's another part of it, too, that for families that are possibly facing placement issues, mm-hmm. you know, overcome the fear, overcome some of the stereotypes, because they really may not be true for you. Uh, and I think Kent made great points about showing up, showing up unannounced, mm-hmm. being engaged, asking questions, talking to the executive director, letting your senses guide you through the building and kind of create for you an idea of what it might be like to live there and experience that in that moment as opposed to bringing to it the fears that you may have had from experiences 15, 20 years ago. These facilities are very different, and Mm -hmm. for many patients or for many residents, the level of care and the level of just social happiness emerges if they've been isolated on their own at home. You know, I hate to compare older adults to children, but in a similar way, you know, when you have children in school, you want to be actively engaged with that school to make sure that your children receive the education that you want them to receive. Well, similarly, if you place a loved one in a long-term care community, you can't expect just to throw things on autopilot and for it to be the very best experience. You need to be an active participant as well. And while you may have 
you know, change and, and you're no longer that, you know, primary caregiver for your loved one providing that physical hands-on care, you're going to move into a new role and, and try to embrace that and see how you can still make a difference for your family member and just in a different way. You become an advocate. You do. So we actually have some additional resources and there's very little time left to sign up for one of them. Mm-hmm. Time is running out. Time is running out. <laughs> Literally. That operators are standing by. They're really not, but you can still register. <laughs> um, we, we run this on a shoestring, so we're not paying operators I'm to I'm the operator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, really I push the close button tomorrow. <laughs> so the Caregiver Summit, mm-hmm. which is scheduled for June 14th, that's the upcoming Thursday. I mean, we're just a few days away from mm-hmm. that. Uh, will be held at the Sheraton Imperial. That's right there off of Page Road. Has a Durham address, but it is so accessible to the entire triangle. It's right there at 4540, uh, 54. I mean, it's you can get there from anywhere in the triangle. Sounds like a football pass. <laughs> Hike. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it is a. It, 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 we still have room at that conference. Mm-hmm. People are excited about it. Uh, there's a great opportunity. Uh, to look at options for placement. There are going to be people there who can help guide you through that. Um, there are a number of classes that can help you with uh, discussions about uh, elder care services, uh, legal discussions. Just, I would really encourage you, if you're on the fence, the time's running out, go ahead, pull the trigger, register for that. You can't go wrong. It's $15 for the entire day for care for lay caregivers. We can't guarantee that you're going to get in the day of if you just uh, appear. So registration does close uh, tomorrow evening, and the website is caregiverssummit.org. And if you can't make the one on June 14th, we actually do have three additional summits coming up uh, beginning later on this summer and going into the fall. So we do encourage folks to go ahead and register, and you get the awesome opportunity to meet cooper and i that's true we'll we be will there. Be, we, we're always going to be there we can meet your celebrity host <laughs> <laughs> just kidding <laughs> if you can put up with us on air we're not sure if you can put up with us. <laughs> uh, we do love to meet the folks that listen to the show and hope that you will also bring some ideas to us for what you'd like to see covered on the show and also ideas for what we may be able to include in caregiver summits going forward. Because that is how we structure the content, is we ask you, what do you need? What matters to you? And then we try to build the content of the show and the content of those conferences around meeting your needs. So we have another event coming up. Yes, we do have another event coming up. And it's actually coming up not long after the caregiver summit. It is on Saturday, June 23rd at 11 a.m. And it is at Five Point Center uh, for Active Adults, and it's being put on as the Triangle Expo for LGBTQ aging adults. So for folks that tuned in last week, uh, we had Joseph Wheeler and Ann Arndt uh, here to talk about that event. And it is the first of its kind in the Triangle, and it really is focused around the unique aging issues that are uh, impacting members of the LGBTQ community uh, who really grew up during a different era as far as acceptance and engagement with the healthcare systems. Uh, and so they are putting on an event specifically for their community, but it's you don't have to be LGBTQ. You could just be an interested community member. Uh, interested community member. You have a loved one who's part of that community. It, it really is a, a very open event, and they have brought on uh, a tremendous number of uh, educational programs and exhibitors and, and sponsors. It's free. It is free. It's hard to beat the price. I think that's because of uh, their exhibitors and American Airlines, I believe, is their underwriting sponsor. So that's they, 
That's when you awesome. have American Airlines stepping up, it does help make things freer for everybody else. So that is awesome. You can't beat the price. First time ever, again, at Five Point Center for Active Adults, June 23rd, that's Saturday, at a, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. So... Uh, our good friends down there with Sage are helping put this on. Yeah, and I want to encourage you, if anyone missed that show last week, it's up available at WPTF.com. Head over to the Aging Matters section. Uh, you know, that's something that I don't think a lot of people put a lot of uh, a thought into or comes across their mind a lot. And uh, there was just a, 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 it was a very good conversation, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it sort of opened up a world that typically you don't spend much time thinking about. Uh, well, I'm excited that that event is available. You two are going to be very, very busy within in the next two weeks here with uh, yeah, your docket. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on, but I think it's indicative of a community that is able to support resources. And uh, both Nicole and I have worked in other parts of the country where the resources weren't available. And there's actually a whole lot of North Carolina yeah. where those resources are not available. And we were actually, at least I was, I can't speak for you, Nicole, surprised at how many people from counties outside of the Triangle are traveling to the Triangle for these events, in particular, the caregiver summits. Yes, people make weekends of it, even. I actually met a um, mother-daughter tandem that Mm -hmm. came in, and they come in from Hickory every single year. Mm -hmm. Uh, They give their mom a break. Somebody else helps take care of the mm-hmm. dad, the husband, yep. and the two of them make a girls' weekend. That's what they call it. I didn't, I didn't hear their language, <laughs> not mine. Girls' weekend where they spend a, a Thursday at the summit, and then they take in some fun for the weekend. Yeah, and uh, I want to encourage anyone, if, if you haven't already registered for the Caregiver's Summit uh, this Thursday, please go ahead and do it. And you know, for those who are already attending, come up and say hello. Uh, Cooper, Nicole, and if, if I'm there too, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to be there all day, but I'm going to be there for a while. Uh, please come up and say hi. We'd love getting feedback on the summits and the show. You know, We, we really appreciate that, and it, it really helps us target the content uh, of this show and, as you said, of the Caregiver's Summit. Fuels our future. That's right, exactly. Exactly. And again, more information available online at WPTF.com in the Aging Matters section, also at caregiversummit.org. We are just about out of time here. Want to thank our guest this evening, Kent Thompson. If you missed any of this program, it will be available on WPTF.com, as well as all of our past shows. You can go and check those out as well. On behalf of Cooper Linton and Nicole Cleggett, I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We hope you'll join us again next week for Aging Matters. Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.